Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rumors, Money, and Movies. I'm your host, James Bastone. We had a little bit of a long layoff, about a month. Had all the work to do. I had finals. I went to the great state of Wyoming. And it was kind of in flux, the podcast. I'll bury the lead now. For the next couple of episodes, I'm not going to have my microphones. If you notice a difference in sound quality, know that the microphone situation is ongoing. It's the MacGuffin. And I heard the film we're talking about has a lot of MacGuffins. So it's a, a, a nice apropos term to be using. So just to give a little bit of layout for what we are on the podcast, our last episodes with the great Sonia Bertucci. I made a film with her. So if you're interested in that, let me know and I'll give you the link to go watch that film. It's available on Vimeo. Great of you really enjoyed it. The rest of the summer, we'll be talking about Jurassic World and position that with Jurassic Park. I think we might do an episode about Elvis, but not a whole episode about Elvis, but Elvis and a little bit of some other box office, summer box office, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to have an interview in there. An interview that's been about a year in the making with the people who organized the French Film Festival in Richmond. I'm also going to try to have another interview with some high-profile people. Right? First, we get Passat, then we get Sonia Bertucci, which is going to keep going up the, the food chain of the industry. And then we're also going to have another, another interview with Bruce Nash, who's going to come on and talk about the summer box office probably in late July. Maybe a classic movie in there. And that will be your summer of rumors, money, and movies. And before you know it, I'll be back in school. and. We'll be riding. We'll be riding towards year three, folks. We'll be riding towards year three. But this episode, I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. Now, I didn't go see the film we're about to talk about. If many of you know, if you listen to the podcast, we did the same thing with Shane Kai. And I know that's a mispronunciation. Just ride with me. So I did that with Shane Kai. I went up around Christian and Mirage. Just interviewed them about their thoughts on the film because I didn't want to go see the film. We're doing the same thing now with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness introducing his debut onto the show he wanted to come on he was supposed to come on for the batman podcast he didn't it's all right water under the bridge if that's in another multiverse he showed up on the podcast guys luke crow thanks for coming on dude dude it's much appreciated being here so glad you had me on uh, i mean you didn't really talk to your listeners but apparently you were also pursuing an interview with harvey weinstein but he dropped out at the last minute so i'm here instead that's uh, that's our guest for the day. Yeah, so thank you for that <laughs> great shout out. I love it. Yes. Yeah, I'm ready to get into it. Before you do that, we ask everybody on the podcast, what's your relationship with film, and what's your favorite movie? Uh, my relationship with film is a growing one. I, I was one of those kids who I watched up like 135 times, and that was about my extent of film. But you know, I've been meeting friends that are in the world and love it and want to pursue it so i'm getting close to, to myself uh so a growing a growing love for film uh and then my favorite movie shawshank redemption might be a cliche but you just can't argue with me that, that there's a better movie out there than that great good to know yeah cliche cancelable toxic this is a great guest already help me don't cancel, <laughs> cancel him not me guys <laughs> Uh, right before we get into the podcast here, thanks for those wonderful thoughts. We got follow us on Twitter at RMM underscore 901. Follow us at Letterboxd at J-A-B-N-Y-R-I-C. Check out all our past episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, CastBox. I know some people listen to Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, the film we're talking about right now is uh, yet another Marvel Cinematic Universe film. People say, well, why are you talking about Marvel Cinematic Universe film? I'm like, I don't know why, because it's a film to talk about. It's in the news, and it's the biggest film of the year. Unfortunately, this is the cards that we've been dealt. So the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is the 28th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're getting up there. It's 28. We're heading towards 30 pretty soon. 
it's the first film of the calendar year. The last film was obviously Spider-Man No Way Home. And if you want to know my thoughts on that, to quote my good friend, Spider-Man, No Way I Liked It. Thank you, uh, Chris. What's up, bro? I hope you're listening today. No Way I Liked It. You know, if you know, you know. So Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is a sequel to the 2016 Doctor Strange film. It is directed by Sam Raimi, who did direct the first three Spider-Man films with Tobey Maguire. It's also produced by Kevin Feige, of course. The cast, again, is loaded, as I recently said. Benedict Cumberbatch is Stephen Strange or Doctor Strange. Elizabeth Olsen is Scarlet Witch, uh, which many of you guys know from WandaVision, etc. Chiwetel Ejiofor is Carlo Mordo, who's in the first film. Benedict Wong is Wong. Uh, Chitil uh, Gomez is America Chavez, who's a debuting character in this film. Rachel McAdams reprises her role as Christine Palmer. And then there's a couple of people who were like already spoiled cameos and then a couple of the cameos that are pretty big. Before we get into that, if this film is going to be the biggest film of the year. There was not, no one really knew how much money it was going to make. It's going to make about $200 million at the box office. Batman was the biggest film initially. It made $134 million its opening weekend. This film is going to crush that at $200 million. So Marvel is still king. To kind of update everybody on the podcast since we last talked, obviously Sonic the Hedgehog had $72 million opening. was a phenomenal film and made $227 million. Paramount's first big franchise since Transformers. Then Fantastic Beasts is a dead franchise, a spinoff of the Harry Potter films. That film made $42 million at the box office. That film is basically dead now, frankly. It only made $333 million, which is about the same amount as Sonic, but again, different budgets, different expectations, a lot of different things go into why Sonic was a success versus Fantastic Beasts being a failure. And then The Bad Guys, which is an animated film and a direct ripoff of basically Suicide Squad, which was released by Universal Pictures, is at $132 million. One back-to-back at the box office and is actually doing pretty well compared to expectations. Now, enough of me talking, Luke. Can you please read the Rotten Tomatoes score for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? So the tomato meter is sitting at 75%. And then the audience score sitting at 88%. The critic consensus is that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness labors under the weight of the sprawling MCU but Sam Raimi's distinctive direction casts an entertaining spell. Well, so I didn't see this film. And I'll just say, guys, the reason I didn't see this film was very clear. I didn't see Black Widow. I knew I wasn't going to like it. I didn't care. People told me I wouldn't have liked it. I didn't see it. And I know I didn't feel the need. Shang-Chi, I didn't want to see it. The way people describe it to me, I knew I wasn't going to like it. I didn't see it. Eternals, I had no interest in. I don't care about random characters. I knew I wasn't going to like it. I don't go see it. Spider-Man No Way Home, I knew I wasn't going to really like it. I saw it and I, my, my suspicions were confirmed. People say to me, well, why? Have an open mind. Have an open mind. The reason why I don't want to see these films anymore is there's 28 films in. Marvel has made the exact same film 28 times. And so I don't feel the need to watch a film again. And frankly, since last July, there hasn't been four Marvel movies released our five Marvel movies released. There's been five MCU films released since last July, but there's actually been seven Marvel movies because we've also had Morbius, which was, I didn't see it. I'm never going to see that film, but it was terrible. And then Venom, which I saw, which was one of the worst films I ever saw in my life. And, I, and if this is any worse, if this is the same quality of Venom, I know I'm not going to like it. So Luke, you've been kind of burying the lead here. You don't like this film at all. Get into your sort of non-spoiler reasons why this film was... And by the way, I want to say this too. I, I did not know Luke was going to not like this film, by the way. He reached out to me and said, I need to have a podcast on this. This is why we did this. Anyway, Luke, give me your uh, 
your non-spoiler thoughts about what happened with this film. I think I, I was I was left with a couple questions. The main question I had is, did Marvel forget that they have to make a good standalone movie? Okay. If the cool parts of your movie are just callbacks to other characters and movies that I'd rather be watching, then this is not a good movie. You know, I will admit, I really enjoyed the most recent Spider-Man movie. And that was because a bunch of characters came. And I think I was, I was too naive. I didn't see through the fact that you're right. That is the same 28th version of a movie. But, ooh, look, it's Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Like, those are my boys. Oh, they're in this movie. That's so crazy. But what happened in this movie is I didn't see Black Widow. So I was like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. I didn't watch WandaVision because that show looks garbage, okay? And then I watched Shang-Chi because my roommates are all Korean and I felt like I had to or else I'd be called racist. But I'll be honest, I fell asleep halfway through it, which is a bad look for me because I also fell asleep during Black Panther in theaters when I watched that with my Black friends. So to be honest, I'm feeling a little bit of like a lot of tensions on my, on my but all that to be said is I had no idea what was going on. And I'm like, I feel like I can't be held accountable for not, what's, not knowing what's going on. I've seen like 16 of your movies, okay? I'm trying my best over here, but I just don't care. And this movie was just not good. Everyone else is clapping when they see this character I've never heard of before. Yep. And I'm like, who cares, okay? This movie's terrible. That's how I felt about it. All right, so everyone knows, Luke is a really funny guy, so please don't cancel. He loves this kid. This kid is, he, he has a like, I'm not going to pull the car, but he's got a brother who isn't white. And so like, just if everyone wants to cancel him, come after me. <laughs> so uh, outside of that I do want to say you bring up a good point is that people have said that you need, if you didn't watch WandaVision you would have no idea what's going on is that correct that is correct dude all I knew was this I knew Elizabeth Olsen was pretty and I knew she had a, she some she had kids that she wasn't able to see okay mm-hmm. that was my extent of knowledge and that wasn't enough I was confused and I felt like her convictions of what she wanted to do weren't making sense and like the main you know dilemma in this movie is two different people's perspectives on what to do when there's a certain type of confliction and if I don't understand the people's perspectives then I don't get any of the weight that's thrown on the movie that brings me to my second point if you're 28 movies deep y'all Marvel Studios those boys over there they had to think of 28 new ways to get us to care about the conflict and care about the characters okay like, if you remember the first one, Iron Man, like, what was the weight of the weight of the universe wasn't even on there. Just like, oh, this one guy might steal my technology. But hey, we cared about that movie. Endgame, it was like, oh, no, Thanos is going to destroy our entire universe. And Doctor Strange, at minute 38, Stephen Strange, or whatever that dude's name is, just casually says, oh, if she's able to do this, she can destroy every universe in every multiverse like wait so now there's a hundred billion universes on the line you can't just keep upping the stakes every time and thinking that i'm going to care about it like because then i look back on the winter soldier a movie i loved i'm like oh, i guess there wasn't really much on stake there's just like a couple people that the nazis wanted to kill on like ooh, i mean that movie barely even matters compared to this but like no like you're 28 movies deep you got to figure out a way to make me care about these characters Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's really the problem is I think that when you're relying purely on cameos and purely on debuts, right? And the way I, and I know people don't really watch wrestling, but I think it's just really apropos at this point to compare Marvel to a wrestling show because a wrestling show acts in perpetuity, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled on Raw back in 1999, and there's guys today like Cody Rhodes 
and Randy Orton, all these other guys who are still wrestling on Raw today. And 20 years from now, there'll be people I've never even heard of wrestling on Raw tomorrow. Well, when you're 28 films deep into a franchise, the same logic works. And the reason I bring that up is, is that when you have a wrestling show, you need to keep it interesting all the time. There's no season finale. Maybe the WrestleMania is a season finale. Maybe Double or Nothing is a season finale. But overall, your season finale, it doesn't really exist. There's no finality to a wrestling show. There's just a finality, finality to a story. And so once you start relying on debuts or once you start relying on gimmicks in order to make your show good, i.e. WCW, that's how your product gets destroyed, right? And so when you're WAW, right, when you have characters, and there's some debuts in this film too, and we're not going to say exactly who they are, but there are some debuts and they kind of admitted that there would be. You're not going to debut CM Punk on a random show you haven't even announced, right? You're going to debut CM Punk in the best way possible. And if you look up CM Punk's debut, in my opinion, it's one of the top five greatest debuts ever, right? What, Cody Rhodes left AEW and went to WWE. Watch his debut, guys. He, he debuted on WrestleMania in front of 80,000 people. You're not going to debut or return these fantastic characters through the Illuminati, which isn't even a thing anybody cares about in the comics. And so this entire film is based upon debuts and cameos. And so a 38-year-old guy can clap and scream and go, oh my God, and you're sitting there saying, why do I care? What is the point? I just want to get it off my chest. Another reason I want to say about, think about that I want to say about this film is, and then Luke's going to carry the load here, but we're just setting the table and then we're going to get into spoilers because you can't talk about this movie without talking about spoilers because I read the plot somewhere on Wikipedia and wow, it's worse than I thought it was going to be. So I was in a restaurant with my brother for my 21st birthday in, Atlanta, in the great city of Atlantic City. So the great city of Wyoming and the great city of Atlantic City. So now I'm in, I'm in Atlantic City with my brother eating food. We start talking about Morbius, which just came out. And he's like, yeah, Morbius was terrible. I'm like, yeah, I know Morbius was terrible. He, we have like a, behind us, there's like jugs, big jugs of like liquid. So like one's red, one's purple, one's blue, one's yellow, whatever. I don't really know what they are. I don't know if they're drinks. I don't know if this supposed to be cocktails. They were just jugs of liquid. We start talking about doctor. He's like, oh, you're going to see Dr. Strange. And I'm like, dude, I'm not really excited about Dr. Strange. He, my brother turns around. We, you know, we have a couple of blues next to us. I don't know. We're eating. We're having a good time for my 21st birthday. And he says to me, and I quote, he's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. He's like, Dr. Strange are little, is literally those cartons of liquids. And I look at the liquids. I turn around and look at the liquids. And I start dying laughing because that's exactly what this movie is. It's all CGI. It has its color galore. There's no texture to anything. And Luke can ascribe to this. And I think anybody who's seen this movie, because I've read enough critics, can, critics write about the film to say this, that there's no texture. It's all just random colors on the screen. It's all CGI. So when you're talking about the fate of the universe, but then I can't, I don't care about what's going on. I don't care about the characters involved. And then I don't actually, actually have any weight to what's going on. It doesn't matter what you're saying. You're not covering up for the actual meaning of the story. I don't know, Luke, if you want to jump off those points. No, I mean, those points were great. You lost me a little bit when you were talking about uh, the Monday Night Raw. I grew up in white trash neighborhoods and I tried to distinguish myself from the white trash kids. And that started with me not watching fake wrestling. But those points you made are legit. I think this Sam Rufi guy, the guy who directed it, Sam Rufi, he, I think he, I think he's allergic to sunlight. All right. All he cared about was getting some of the best actors in the world. And when I say best actors, I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't mean whoever this, okay, this is going to be a tangent. But I'm sorry, why did you take Benedict Cumberbatch and this dude Wong, who had amazing chemistry, who's 
you know, dynamics together was amazing. And then you take Benedict Cumberbatch, who's in some of the, like, just great movies and maybe one of the best TV shows of this, you know, decade, or I guess last decade in Sherlock Holmes. You paired him up with this, like, 18-year-old Mexican girl who I feel like I could get on the screen and do a better job. And, oh, by the way, she has two moms. Thanks for that. That really, let's, and also, you give her a name, America, okay? That just, every time I hear Benedict Cumberbatch look at this girl while he's doing hand signals, like he's, casting a spell oh he actually is casting a spell, and he says america watch out i'm like that just takes me out of the movie i'm like this is just not real life anyways sam Rufy, okay she's actually 16 by the way she's 16 and that life. is a shame okay anyways this sam Rufy guy all he does is he wants to get people in the studios all right and he just wants to just throw up cgi onto the screen i mean i think he's genuinely allergic to sunlight by how much i saw just studio. I don't, I, this is where I'm going to ask you a question because you're more of a film guy. Like, is there some sort of stat that breaks down what percentage of the screen time we've seen is from a studio? Okay. Cause I mean, my favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. And I don't think a single one of those like things was in a studio. Like, like they're top, they're on scene, real places, real prisons. Like that is legit. You feel like you're there. And so when you're, when you're Marvel and you got a problem making people care about the world that you're creating it's because you're creating this world in a studio like i'm sorry like there's nothing here i cannot feel it i like not only can i feel the screen screen sometimes i think i can even see it it's just like what even is this how am i expected to care about the throw up of cgi on a green screen yeah and they released uh, some footage before the film that i watched of like the big tentacle filling i mean if that's representative of the cgi in this film if people want to like people want to crap on like the prequels that was made in like the 2000s this cgi looked worse than that. <laughs> like the cgi in this film looked terrible and another thing i want to say about this film before we get into spoilers is i did not know that this film was coming out until yesterday like i i knew but then i forgot and i didn't realize it was coming out until yesterday think about that for a second guys me a person who reads film who is in the industry, who's involved in the industry, who reads sites, who's involved, didn't realize that Dr. Strange was coming out till yesterday. And oh, by the way, I'm watching the NBA and NHL playoffs relatively consistently. You'd think I'd see a TV promo for it. But before we get to spoilers, Luke, can you say anything positive about this film so it don't get canceled? Can I say anything positive? I, I've never done drugs in my life, but I imagine that if you were to do LSD or ecstasy, any of those hallucinogenic drugs and go see this movie you would have a fantastic time um that from the tip of my head is the only thing i can say i love benedict cumberbatch so much i don't think i haven't i i think i've watched every single film or tv show that he's been a part of i think he's a phenomenal actor and even his charisma and just absolute vibe was not enough for me to be like oh benedict cumberbatch is still the star of the show and the other thing is like wong um, another great marvel character I mean, he was relegated to just slapstick comedy. So it's just like, what am I supposed to do here? Elizabeth Olsen was pretty, but they had her in the form of a zombie half the movie. So I'm like, oh, I can't even, you know, use the eye candy there. So it's just like, there's three cool things about Doctor Strange and they handicapped every single one. So no, I'm not comfortable saying anything positive about this movie. Well, let's get to spoilers. Now, spoiler warning, guys. So basically the plot of this film is that, which to me is like literal mental... Something is wrong here. The plot of this film is that because of the events of No Way Home, there are fissures and the multiverse is basically, there's 
issues with the multiverse. Wait, let's just simplify it because from the way it's described to me, the exposition of this film makes no sense and there's a lot of it. So there's a lot of like fissures in the multiverse and like people coming in and out of the multiverse because of the events of No Way Home. But it's already a problem because no way, no way Home was terrible and had zero logic. So now we're building off stuff that has zero logic. Now, this is bad. Once you start building off <laughs> stuff that has zero, once you have zero logic and you start building off of zero logic, there's only bad things that are going to happen. So now we're building off zero logic and we have fissures in the multiverse. From the way it was described to me on Wikipedia and from people that I know, the villain of this film is WandaVision. Wanda, I keep wanting to say Wanda Sykes. Wanda, whatever, Scarlet Witch, because in WandaVision, not like you guys watch, but in WandaVision, she has like fake kids. The whole show is about how she like made this fake reality and this fake family, and the people had to basically take her down. So now we've set up this film where you got Wanda Sykes, whatever you want to call her, Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch is the villain of this film because she wants to reclaim the reality because she lost her kids. But remember, guys. The reality that she built with her kids are fake. So this entire film is based off a conflict between Doctor Strange, who's trying to save the fate of the universe, and Wanda Maximoff, whose her only motivation is the fact that she wants to be reunited with kids that she didn't actually have. They're fake. They're not real people. So she wants to be reunited with fake kids. Am I correct in that this is the main conflict of this film, Luke? And, and I was going to go on some tirades about how stupid this film is, but I mean, like that is it and and not only is it she going after fake kids she is murdering and attempting to murder people that she's been friends with to save these safe kids i don't know if there's going to be future movies with dr strange or wanda but if she is not being actively ostracized in every following movie then just sorry i'm gonna have to question the legitimacy of some of these motivations of the, of the marvel characters yet again and uh, i mean may i add in terms of Doctor Strange, like if we go back to, I think, the pinnacle of Marvel movies, which is ironically, you know, one of the first ones they made with Iron Man 1, not a single time in that movie did I have to be like, wait, wait, what's that going on? What's this plot device? There was never a plot device in that movie. Everything made sequential sense. He went to the cave. He's really smart. He made these things. He has resources to, you know, scale it up and do cool things with it. You know, then maybe they're an end game. It's like, Wait, who are all these minions that Thanos is now employing? Oh, okay, you just want them so you can have a huge grand scale battle. Okay, I get it. Like, you know, there's a plot device that, you know, is overlooked. But if an entire movie hinges on plot devices that are unanswerable, like, I'm sorry, that's just not a movie. That's just a guy that's saying, well, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool? But none of those things were connected in any way. I don't know if, as a viewer, I don't know if I was supposed to know those answers to them. I don't know if I was, you know, supposed to make the connections within this movie or outside of the movie. I mean, I am just left exhausted trying to play the mental gymnastics and figure out the timeline and the, the you know, the background of the conflicts of the things going on in this movie. So that's the main plot. Some, the, that's the main plot. Yes, yeah, so you got it head on. Wanda Maximoff against Dr. Strange. There's a lot of random stuff. Two main people. I want to get to the first person first because you really didn't like this character, I guess. That's America Chavez. How did she enter them? How did she come out of nowhere into the fold? Uh, she didn't. She, she first appeared in Strange's Dream. And then an another thing to add about this is when, you know, they, they do the cool, like, you know, spell casting. They got a cool fire beams in the shape of a circle. It all makes sense. Whenever America Chavez is doing her thing, it makes like a star that you would see on like Rainbow Road and Mario Kart. Like, it is some of the worst CGI. And just every time I saw her do her little power, I was just like, this is not, this is fake. But yeah, no, she came out. She was in Strange's dream. 
And then, you know, she showed up and Strange just had an intuition that she was very important and had to have a go conversation with her. And then he found out that she somehow has been traveling through different multiverses, but can't control it and he needs to protect her. And, you know, if Wanda gets control of her somehow, then she's going to be able to take her power somehow. And that's going to decay every universe in existence somehow. Like, how am I supposed to care about that? Those, there's so many somehows involved. And the main geek moment of this event is when we get to the Illuminati. And so they buried the hatchet of several of these people. So the Illuminati consists of several people from like a variety of multiverses. What the? F so one of them is Haley Atwell, who plays Peggy Carter, who's Captain Carter, who's like the British version of Captain America. She was in What If, a show that several people told me was absolutely garbage. Now, Ma Maria Rambeau. There's two Rambos. There's Monica Rambeau, who is in WandaVision, and there's Maria Lamp Rambeau, who's in Captain Marvel, who's played by Lashana Lynch, who is a fake 007 in, a, in a No Time to Die. She plays an alternate version of herself from Captain Marvel, so she's basically Captain Marvel. Then we got Asin Mount, who plays Black Bolt. I don't even know who that is. An alternate version of his role from Inhumans. Let me tell you, let me tell you, when he did his only line from the movie, somehow he's got this noise that is super loud. I don't understand a superhero. I don't understand how the average American is supposed to know who this guy is. But he had, he, the time he executes his superpower, the noise that came from the TV was so shrieking that everybody in the audience, that I was in my field of vision, so the rows in front of me, the rows to the side of me, everyone covered their ears. Like, Maybe that's what Sam Rufi was going for, but that was extremely unnecessary. There's other ways to figure out someone's superpower besides, you know, raping my ear. Anyways, continue. And then the big one, which they already buried, was Patrick Stewart coming back as Professor X, which I've been crapping on this for three months because they put him in the trailer. And I'm like, no one cares about Patrick Stewart's Professor X who hasn't been relevant in 20 years. And then the final person was John Krasinski playing Reed Richards. Now, if I was a bot, and if you guys know Reed Richards, he's the leader of Fantastic Four. Now, if I was a bot, if I was a Marvel Knight, if I was an idiot, I would be surprised by this. But because I read newspapers, and they've been this has been rumored for like nine months. Now, I don't mean to say you're actually an idiot. I'm just saying that if you're paying attention to the product that you're supporting, you know that this guy was supposed to be in the movie. And so, Luke, give me a rundown. When, Pat, when all these people started showing up, was the theater streaming like you're at a stadium, like you're at, you know, the Chargers game or something? Or what was going on when these people showed up? The only people, the only people that got a response that was like auditory was the the bald guy, Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, whatever that guy's name is. And I've I've known of him because of, you know, whatever the movie he's in. And when he when immediately when he talked, I was like, like when he showed up and all the people screamed, I'm like, okay, those are the virgins. And then when John John Krasinski showed up all the girlfriends like if a marvel fanboy somehow acquires a girlfriend the girlfriends that they forced to bring with them they all saw john krasinski and go "Ooh, i wish i was with him or i wish i was watching the office right now because my boyfriend really likes this movie but this is just horrible garbage and quite frankly i mean i kind of lean over to my buddy that i'm watching the movie with and who i had already at this point in the movie profusely apologized to because i was the one who recommended we go watch this movie i'm like i would rather be watching the office right now um I mean, he added, nothing, he added nothing to the movie, but he was, I guess that was a cool moment and people are talking about it. So, I mean, that's all they really wanted out of that moment anyways. So did this Illuminati play any role in the actual plot of the film or was it just sort of a throwaway moment in the middle of the film? 
it was a complete throwaway moment in the middle of the film. I had seen one ad and, you know, it seemed like the Illuminati was going to be a big deal. It was basically just a cliche joke where, you know, um, Benedict Cumberbatch asked Illuminati, really? Like, what do you guys do? And they're just like, oh, yeah, that's just our name. And then we're supposed to think it's funny because in our universe that has a big connotation with, you know, corporatists, elitists, and just lots of conspiracy theories. But in this universe, it's just a random name they gave themselves. So, no, there's nothing interesting going on with the Illuminati. Wow, what a film. What a film, guys. Yeah, so you've already said, you've talked about how the CGI is terrible. You've talked about how the performances are not very good. The plot doesn't make a lot of sense. The Illuminati didn't work for you. You refuse to say there's any positives about this film. However, however, what was going on with Rachel McAdams? What was going on with Christine Palmer? I know that this was sort of a big deal in the film, or this was sort of a big subplot. How would you grade the romance out of 10? What was going on? How did it factor into the plot, et cetera? Um, I, I, I liked Doctor Strange, the first one, and... Uh, when I showed up and watching this movie, the first 20 minutes are kind of like Dr. Strange in his normal life now. And I, I leaned over because Dr. Strange is now at this wedding and I'm like, what's going on? So I leaned over to my buddy, I'm like, who is this? And he's like, oh, that's the girl from the first movie that he gave up so he could be a superhero for. And I'm just like, oh, I really like Dr. Strange. And I totally forgot about that subplot because that was the least interesting subplot from the first Dr. Strange. So they continued the least interesting subplot into the second one, which is normally an interesting move because you normally want to, you know, continue on the ones that fans care about. But they continued on the one that I could give a rat's ass about. So the thing that I was most interested about is there was a huge wart on the side of her head. And I had never seen that before, Rachel McAdams. And but there's some scenes where it was and some scenes that it was. And so I thought that was going to be like, oh, so, like I thought that was going to be the one you know, point where it's like, oh, actually some of this is real, some of this isn't, and it's all dependent on the wart on the side of her face. But I was just so bored with the rest of the movie that I was fixating on what could have been, a, you know, an interesting interesting plot point being the wart on the side of her head. I did not care about the love story. If you're showing up to a Marvel movie for a love story, like, come on, we saw what they tried to do with Natasha Romanoff and Bruce Banner. Like, I think that is the most interesting they can be with a love story. And anything and they, quit, and they quit on it. Like they did it for like five minutes and just quit on it. Exactly. And I think that is, I think that's the maximum amount that we're ever going to get out of a Marvel love story, which is fine. I don't need that from you guys. Okay. So just stop trying it. Okay. This is weird. No one in the audience really knows how to relate to a love story anyways, because they don't know how to take showers. They don't know how to talk to like before this movie, I didn't understand quite exactly what a Marvel fanboy is. I'm not trying to make this a DC versus Marvel thing, but I had self-respect for myself after walking out of watching the Batman. And this is the first movie in my life that I felt disrespected. And I felt like I didn't have any respect for myself. And I can't believe I gave money to the studio that produced this movie. It, I, I just, I mean, I texted you immediately after I said, we need an emergency podcast regarding this movie. I've never felt this way about a movie myself. I think this is just because this is kind of like a coming of age moment for me. And I'm realizing that Marvel is a joke. And I think the only reason why I'm realizing it is that the movie I'd watched most previously was the Batman. Before I gave it about an eight two. you know, I rewatched all the Batmans and then uh, all the Christopher Nolan Batmans. And then I watched this movie. The Batman is like a 9-1, okay? That movie is great. This movie is terrible. I'm not going to turn this into DC Marvel thing, but 
that that was my perspective and my context for coming into this movie. If you have a similar context, I suggest that you do hallucinogenic drugs so you can make it through. That's Kevin Feige, right? What's the simplest common denominator? That's Kevin Feige. Who's whom? Who was a part of all of these films? Kevin Feige. Who's the person that is the producer on all these films? Kevin Feige. Whose overall vision is it? Kevin Feige. That's why Marvel, this is a name drop, guys, is a throwback to classical Hollywood. Because back in classical Hollywood, even though you had fantastic directors and fantastic actors and actresses, the people running the film were the studios, right? Because at the end of the day, you couldn't have sex on screen. You couldn't have violence on screen. You really couldn't have certain topics on screen. You could push it a little bit, but even then, unless you were like Alfred Hitchcock, you really had limited, and even he was kind of later. So even Cecil B. DeMille was a hostage in this situation, right? You know, and the person who had the most freedom was probably Orson Welles out of anybody. And the only reason he had freedom was because he was Orson Welles. Point being, the reason I bring that up is because when you had old Hollywood, the producers were the name, were the people making the films. Kevin Feige, it's the same thing. If Kevin Feige doesn't like you, you get fired. People say to me, oh, well, no, you know, well, you haven't said his name right once, Luke, but Sam Raimi was not supposed to direct this film originally. Originally, the director of this film was Scott Derrickson, who directed the original Doctor Strange. And Scott Derrickson basically left the project halfway, left the project, quote unquote, left the project halfway through. We all know why he got fired. It's as simple as that, because we know that it wasn't the first time he got fired. Patty Jenkins got fired. You know, Kevin Branagh left. I mean, even Josh Whedon kind of got, I mean, I'm not defending Josh Whedon because the guy's a, a piece of crap, but even he kind of got fired too. Okay, so people get fired when they kind of butt heads with Kevin Feige and they want creative control over their own film. Now, Sam Raimi lends some sort of autorist legitimacy to this film, but as you're describing it, Luke, it's, it's rinse and repeat. Marvel is the next WWE. I've been saying it for three years. Come at me, guys. WWE and Marvel are the same exact product. So it's all cliche. The ending, though, from the way that I understand it, at least is not exactly cliche. Maybe just because it's bad. Can you describe the ending of this film and your thoughts on it? Do you have the ending in front of you? Like on I'm Wikipedia? reading it. I've read it like five times and I still don't understand it. I'm going to just try to concisely tell you what I think happened. Is I think the multiverse girl gave one yeah, America Chavez, how about just the daughter of the lesbians, gave, <laughs> gave Wanda Vision, Wanda, the ability to actually do what she wanted to. And then Wanda realized it wasn't going to work out and was like, okay, I guess I won't do it. I guess I won't try a different angle. I guess I won't try a different strategy. I, maybe you're lying to me and I still really have to try. She put all those things aside and was like, you're right, guys. And she didn't even say sorry for murdering some friends. She was just like, you're right, America. Like, you're right. Like, and remember, I'm talking about a female Mexican named America in this situation. America, you are right. And I, I'm, I guess, you know, I'm going to give up now. So did any, who died? Did anybody major die? Um, I think the bald guy died. The, the sir, the sir Benedict or sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, Patrick I think Stewart he died. died. Uh, John Krasinski died. All those, all those uh, Illuminati people died um, right away. So they, they were on screen for a total of 10 minutes. <laughs> but they probably didn't really die because you always change it anyway. Right. We've learned any, we've, if we learned anything from No Way Home, you can just bring it back anybody at this point. 
So Wanda is basically a free person at this point. She's she's out. She's a fugitive. What's going on with her? Well, I think everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Wanda, that was one, the one thing Wanda was stuck up on, but now she can be trusted. But again, it's like, dude, I, in the first couple movies, she didn't seem that powerful. And now she's like, had the ability to destroy every universe in existence. Like, I'm, I, if, don't get me wrong, but I think, I think Thanos had to take like eight movies to accumulate that much power. And Wanda was able to just do it in Doctor Strange's second movie. So that was a little weird for me to get over. But yeah, it seems like people are kind of like, okay, Wanda, you know, you're, you did this thing. It was bad. You almost killed us all, but you're okay. Like, you're good. Your kids, your kids don't actually need you. And um, they're fake kids. They aren't even real. They aren't even real. They don't even exist. I want to meet. I want to meet the brain dead person that 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 understands where Wanda is coming from. Like the best villains are the ones that we're able to relate to in some way. Okay, like, like I, okay. I'm not even gonna make a like a like a reference to other movies, but I'm just saying there's not a smidgen of me that can relate to anything Wanda's going through. The only thing I'm like, yes, yeah, this this lady she needs to get killed. I'm like, I hope Benedict doesn't spare her. I hope I hope she and she she dies by the end of the movie. She has no redeeming qualities. The things she's pursuing in this movie are completely illogical. She has all these superpowers. Just try again with a new set of kids. Why you gotta? Why do you need these make believe kids? Why don't you just have another set of make believe kids that you want? There's so many. They they have these plot devices that they prop up to try to build the foundation of this movie on. But the plot devices could be just different plot devices that made the plot not real. So it's also it's like a, yeah. Luke, I didn't see this film, but one of my problems with Marvel is why don't other people get involved? If this was such a big deal, wouldn't like Thor or like other heads be pulling up to help out? Exactly. I mean, in the in the in the in the end game, you saw everyone come together, right? Because the fate of every universe, well, fifty percent of every universe was on the line. Well, no, just the fate of fifty percent of all our one universe was on the line. But they made it seem like in this movie that the fate of every universe was on the line. And so you would think that, you know, Benedict would be like, hey, let's get my boys in here. All right. Everyone's going to die. But he was like, nah, me and this random girl from Mexico that I just met, we got this. Okay. Oh, and by the way, did you know she can't act? She's really bad at acting as well. So yeah, it was wild. I was reading some of the critic reviews about how she's a breath of fresh air. Um, People need a new word to describe something that's good because like breath of fresh air like you think that's good but it's like no that was like a a breath of like sewer water like that was absolute stench air all right we didn't need that anywhere near me <laughs> she is 16 dude. Can we give her a little bit she's 16 tell you know? james what is one child acting performance that you thought was good oh a bunch of them tell me about it the kid in belfast was really good he's like nine hmm no, you yeah. There's no excuse anymore. If you if you cast a kid who's under eighteen, they need to be a good actor or actress. There's no excuse. I agree with you, but I'm just saying she is sixteen. Let's give her a little bit of slack. Well, I mean, no, I mean she, she's a millionaire now, and I'm sure she has a million Instagram followers. Like, this is this is how the world works. Like, well, I mean, to be terrible. fair though, all the people, all the kids in Stranger Things are good now. Well, did did you at one point think they were bad actors? No, I, I don't watch that show. I don't watch shows. I'm just saying. Well, I've, I mean, I've watched those, and they were younger than her and better actors. So it's like that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I guess my point being is, is when you're at any actor or actress, when you're all you're acting in front of is green screen, it's very hard to act properly. 
especially when you're 16. Like, I'm sure she's never acted in front of green screen before, and she's already a fish out of water because it is a big film. You know, it's like she's acting on, you know, some indie film that has four people working on it. What are they serving for lunch? They're probably serving, like, filet mignon. She used to start eating, like, you know, handmade sandwiches from Wawa, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. But I agree. Let's be be more critical of, like, Elizabeth Olsen, where her was terrible in this movie. I think before before we move on to Elizabeth Olsen, who I'm sure I but that there's a lot there. I think what you bring up is a good point. Is you know, I think the the studio recognized that in this movie they needed a child actor to carry this role because you know the the sense of bewilderment and being out of their element can only really be captured in a in a in like a child in this role, and they realized that they couldn't get a good child actress. So the best way to tape over how bad of an actress she really was, was by making her Mexican and the daughter of lesbian parents. Therefore, to the media, she could she's not scrutinized. Right. Because that is going to be a bastion of, you know, of of really cool things that are happening in Hollywood media. So don't talk about how bad of an actor she is. Like talk about what she stands for, which could be good things. But it's like at the end of the day, this was a movie and she was a bad actress. Moving on to Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, she's. She, I I really liked her in the past movies. I thought she was endearing. I thought she, it made sense. Her, you know, her romance with Vision was all right, and just in this movie, half the time she's in makeup that makes her look like she's dead, and and again, it's just when what your character you're trying to act as has no idea or any type of strength and like what they're wanting to pursue it's just hard to be a good actress like i'm sure she felt handicapped in her role too because she's like i don't really know what i'm supposed to act as like my character doesn't make sense so it's like how are you supposed to act out a character whose drive and motivations genuinely don't make sense yeah she's the most powerful person in the universe and all she wants to be is a mom pretty back hey marvel let's go baby representation <laughs> kid. Yay. clap it up clap it up baby hey, if you're a strong woman you know what your number one goal needs to be to be a mom of fake kids and kill anybody to do that guys <laughs> well said i mean i'm just gonna leave it at that that's well said i guess my last uh thing is there's another female character in this played by the fantastic wonderful actress charlie Theron. she shows up in a mid-credit scene uh as clea which I already got all the spoiled for me by some random account. I didn't even try to get it spoiled for me. They wrote that she was going to be in the movie, like way before, like a month ago. Your thoughts on the post credit scene, the future of this character, the future of the multiverse, etc. Yeah, I've I've always been the one that's loved to stay around for the extra credits. You know, it's fun to, you get to feel like you're on the inside of something. You get to be excited and prepared for what comes next. It's something to talk about as you're leaving the movie theater. You know, it really just puts into perspective the whole thing you watch. For the first, for the first end credit scene, I could right now I could not tell you what it was. I have no memory of it. I did a little bit of prep for this. I had you know ten or nine bullet points of things I wanted to hit on. I have no idea who, what, who, or what, or what was said in that in that first end credit scene. The last end credit scene, my buddy wanted to stay for. He liked the movie more than I did, and I'll be honest, I lost a lot of respect for him after he said that. But it was the, the last end credit scene at the end and end credit scene because marvel can't just do one anymore was a was a was a callback to a terrible slapstick comedy of a guy in the end credit scene he stops punching himself because Benedict Cumberbatch hit him with a spell that was going to make him punch himself for 13 weeks straight and the end credit scene was him stopping punching himself and i was like is this sam rufy's gross and twisted way to really symbolize what it felt like leaving the theater i was no longer punching myself with boredom and with anger and hate for this studio 
I genuinely think that Sam Rufi has that much of a twisted sense of humor that he did that to really just poke fun and really dig into the people that have an IQ above 12 that we're able to see through what this movie is. So you think this movie, you're, you're a Marvel fan. We're going to get to a little bit more on that, but is this the worst Marvel movie you've ever seen? Or This is, this is it's tied for worst movie with Thor Dark World. I am Norwegian. I love Thor. That movie was absolutely abysmal. They're abysmal for very different reasons, however. I mean, this was just a throw up of CGI and that movie was just so uninteresting and dull. Like this movie tried so hard to not be dull, but in doing so, it was just another type of negative. It is definitely tied for the worst movie, the worst Marvel movie for sure. And how many Marvel movies have you disliked? Just those two, like a rough. Just, just those two, I'll be honest. Those were, I mean, Iron Man 2, I didn't give much for, but like Robert Downey Jr. can carry anything. And remember, I love Benedict Cumberbatch, but Sam Rufi did so much to, to just handicap him that he was unable to save this movie. I thought Iron Man 2 was kind of a predictable plot line and everything, but, you know, Robert Downey Jr. carried us through that movie. I've loved, I've loved, genuinely speaking, I've loved all the Marvel movies I've seen. There's some absolute gems. There's some movies that I'll watch 15 more times before I die. That being said, this movie was horrible. Wow. This is a Marvel night that's been converted to the dark side. It's beautiful. But you haven't yeah. seen all the movies either, too, right? Like, you haven't seen Eternals and whatnot. Well, I thought, I thought Eternals was a TV show. Here, here, are the, here are the movies I haven't seen, and you tell me if you pick up anything. Shang Li, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, I fell asleep in Black Panther. I rewatched it. I liked it the second time. Um, the Black Widow one. Apparently, Eternals is a real thing. And if there's a single TV show out there, I haven't spent a second of my life watching any of those. Those are the movies I've missed out on. Yeah, they're all new, so probably not that good. Is the Marvel story? So now, I always ask this after the last Marvel movie. Let me let's talk about the future Marvel slate. I want to give you, I want to get your opinion out of ten, your excite excitement level after I read off the films and the TV shows upcoming for Marvel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next film, July eighth, two thousand twenty-two. We got Thor: Love and Thunder. We got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, November 11th. Next year, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania in February. We have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in May. And then we have The Marvels, which is a sequel to Captain Marvel in July 28th. We also have Fantastic Four coming out, but TBA. Blade will be coming out, TBA. Deadpool sequel will be coming out, TBA. Captain America sequel will be coming out, but TBA. Shang-Chi sequel will be coming out, TBA. And an untitled Munich film, Munich film will be coming out, but that's also TBA. And the list of TV shows after Moon Knight ends is Miss Marvel later this year, She-Hulk later this year, an untitled Halloween special, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And then next year, we got Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Armor Wars, Untitled Wakanda series, a Loki season two, Echo, which was the worst character in Hawkeye and some of the worst characters I've heard of in my life, Agatha, who was the villain of WandaVision, is getting a show, Spider-Man freshman year is an animated series, Marvel Zombies is an animated series, uh, Destin Daniel Creighton, who directed Shang-Chi, is getting a series. Daredevil's getting a reboot, and Nova is getting a series. Except at a level out of 10. I'm going to go at a 4. Well, no, lower than that. A, a 3.1. I think the only things that made me think about a moment, other like made me think a thought, then, oh, I'm not going to see this, is Thor. Um, I mean, I think that's a great character. I do like how they took him as a boring character in one and two, and then made him this more sporadic, interesting guy 
in Ragnarok. I've been reading some leaks that they're trying to make him gay for Chris Pratt. If that happens, I mean, I think that'll be the nail in the coffin in regards to what I view Marvel as. Hey, let's walk out. Let's, <laughs> y'all fly out to Atlanta. If that's true, I'll fly out to Atlanta so we can walk out of the theater together and make I a mean, scene. It, it will be bad. So, but that, that movie I'm excited for. And then Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I remember watching the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this was like 2014 or something. And, you know, and, and they caught a lot of flack. I mean, everyone liked it, but also people thought it was really weird and it kind of broke the mold to what Marvel movies were. At that time, it was breaking the mold of what good Marvel movies were to do something that was even more interesting. Now it needs to break the mold of what Marvel movies are to go back to being a good movie. Like if it's like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, they, those movies break the mold. It's like you are now breaking a bad mold and being a good movie. So I expect a lot from those two movies. I, I don't even know if I expect a lot. I just hope they're good movies. Black Panther, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the, the Chadwick Bosman, the great guy, passed away. How are they doing that movie? I have, I have no idea. Yeah, you're correct. They're making a sequel without the main character. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, also, rest in peace to Chadwick Bosman. Rest in peace to his tweet that was the most liked tweet of all time now the owner of the most like tweet of all time is Elon Musk. So praise our overlord, Elon Musk. He's going for us one of these days. Great, Elon. He, by this rate, he's going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in no time too. Let's debut him, guys. Let's make And him. you know what? It's going to make the movie more realistic. So I'm down. <laughs> oh, man. MCU giving us another banger, guys. I'm out, look. The only reason I did this was because we didn't have a topic for the day and I wanted to get a podcast in. And Luke texted me and said, we need an emergency podcast. Talk about this POS. After this film, I don't think we're going to do one on Floor 11 Thunder because I don't even think I'm going to go see that because of faint reasons such as Thor being gay for uh, Chris Pratt. If Chris Pratt and Thor are gay, I'm telling you right now, I'm saying a comment in the theater. I'd kick me out, bro. I'm going to have someone come out and kick me out. If, they, if they're gay, I don't care. I don't care if there's kids in the audience. I'll say something, though. I'm trying to make up in my mind if I was going to tell the story of what occurred in the movie, but I, I'm just going to go for it. While we, were watching, while we were watching this absolutely just gem of a movie, Stranger Things, when it is revealed that America Chavez's parents are lesbian and the most cliche, I genuinely think there's a rainbow going over their heads in the background. I, I let out a subtle, I let out a very subtle bruh, all right? Probably just that audible, okay? There's one guy behind me that chuckles at my bruh, okay? And so I'm like, all right, that's enough validation that there's enough people that are feeling that that I don't feel like a, like a D-bag for letting that out. When the movie ends, all right, we're, we're, we're sitting in the back row because that's kind of my vibe. Anyways, we're, we're no, second to last row. We, we're leaving, so we're kind of like stuck. There's only one, one exit, all right? And I see this couple, okay, that happened to be a lesbian couple that were, that were a couple rows in front of me. And they were holding hands and they were chatting. And no one's going to believe me when I say this. But they, they said, did you hear that guy say bruh when it was revealed that America's parents were lesbian? And she goes, her lesbian partner goes, that I assume goes, I did. That was so cringy. Okay. So this, this is not just my heteronormative view, all right? on whether or not the dynamics of that relationship were corny. A lesbian couple themselves agreed that that portrayal was corny, okay? So I stand cemented in that belief, all right? Can't cancel me. It's backed up by someone that's not white, cisgender, and male, okay? So 
I am out here chilling with my bruh. I think it's validated and it's been it's been proven true by other members of the minority community. There, I told I told the story. Wait, wait, were they were they talking about you saying bruh or they were talking about the lesbian couple? They were talking about they so so they said one said to the other, Did you hear that guy say bruh at the lesbian couple scene? And then the other girl said, Yeah, that scene was so corny. Wow. What wait, how did they introduce this? How did, okay, we're just gonna end this podcast but how do they introduce how do they go about introducing this girl's parents to be lesbian there's like a flashback that dr strange is a part of where he sees what's going on in her mind and and she's like doing something and she's like traveling between universes and one of them is like she's being taken away from her parents that are both lesbian both women and oh. uh i just i just let out a bruh that offered nothing to the movie and uh and I, i'm backed up in that belief so there it is yeah i've had this conversation many a times but having representation it does not just mean putting like lesbian or like a lesbian couple on stage what real representation is is having a lesbian couple and then giving them a real storyline that everyone can relate to that is real representation right real representation is alien main character sigourney was a woman Right, that's real representation. Halloween, main character Jamie Lee Curtis. That's real representation. Right, real representation is any movie like Eddie Murphy started for like fifteen years, right, or whatever. Okay, real representation is when you give characters who are not like ones, you know, usually like a white male, right. You give those characters real storylines that are make sense and are real. What is not real representation is America Chavez's parents being lesbian. That is not real representation. Her representation, I don't even think maybe is even America Chavez because she just seems like a bop the entire film, right? And then writing a fully written minority character does not, if someone criticizes that, doesn't mean they're racist or sexist. It means they don't like the poorly written minority character. And if anything, you writing a poorly written character and then saying that the only reason I don't like them is because they're minority actually is more racist than me even criticizing the character to begin with. I've had many experiences with this loop over my time criticizing the sequel trilogy because the sequel trilogy is a two-pack of ass to put my good friend Joe Budden. Um, I mean, yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, pandering is not representation. And there's got to be one, at least, this happened at least once in the first week weekend. This happened at least once where there's a gay couple that, you know, read in the movie that, you know, this, was, this happened. They went to go see the movie because they're excited about being represented in the movie. And then they saw themselves shoehorned, a character that was representing them shoehorned in. Like, I don't even know the names of them. I'm just calling them something's parents. That's how irrelevant they are. They have no relevance in the story. They have no impact. They're just complete, complete phony. I don't know, throw in some word you want. So the, I just wish there's one, there's one couple out there that came and watched the movie because they thought that they were going to be represented in a Marvel movie. I hope they write Sam Rufy and say how much terrible of a movie he's made, not because of that, but because of all the other things I've mentioned throughout this podcast, the CGI, the terrible character. Oh, I mean, it goes on and on and on. But yes, poor, poor, poor representation for the minority community in this yeah. movie. If anybody wants to see real representation, go watch The Matrix. 20 years, 20 years ago, half the cast was black, or like women, and that's real representation. Ahead of its time, that's, as I said on the podcast. So, that, so anyway, just... So stupid crap. Hopefully the woman, uh, Miss Gomez, is going to have a wonderful career. I hope the best for her. But 
she actually is. She's gonna be like eleven Marvel movies after this because the entire Marvel, whatever. Anyway, we're not gonna get to Marvel. Enough Marvel. But the reason why we had this podcast, people say when you have a, when you're fighting a war, when you're fighting a revolution, it's not about winning. It's about and this someone will understand this reference. It's not about winning. It's about a hundred years from now, people can see that there was a resistance, that there was people fighting against what we're seeing. And the reason why I also feel strong about releasing this podcast is as well as because I want people 50 years from now, this podcast no one's going to listen to and I know that, but I want that one head who 50 years from now is like, when they're like 11 years old and everyone talks about how good Marvel was or like still is because it's probably never going to end. I want that 11 year old kid to say, no dude, people didn't like Marvel when it was coming out. And then they can look up a podcast and they can listen to it for five minutes and be validated that not everyone liked these movies. It's the reason why we have this podcast, I'm like 50, I'm like 50% kidding, but I'm 50% serious when I say this, is to show that not everybody likes Marvel and not everyone is going to condone the kind of storytelling and the kind of filmmaking that is in some ways destroying Hollywood and in some ways destroying the cinematic palette. Because, I mean, Marvel at this point is just accelerating the demise of film. Not that film is going to be nothing, but in the sense that people are used to now not actual films being made. They're used to like dopamine hits. So that's what I got to say. We are the resistance, Luke, when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Any final thoughts you can plug? You could, this could be any about the movie, about life in general, about what you're doing, about you. Uh, I mean, the only thing I'm going to say in regards to this movie is that um, I used to like these movies. I hope this isn't a turning point where, I mean, because I used to show up these Marvel movies and be entertained for two hours, but uh, now I feel disrespected. So I hope this isn't a turning point, but I'm afraid it is based off in the direction Marvel's going. If you need to know anything about me, my phone number is 630-538-5977. Jamie, my boy Jamie, just mentioned how... Um, you know, mentioned Matrix as being a great movie. Text me at that number if you want a picture of your host truly, James Best Stone, looking like a character out of the Matrix. I'm just going to leave it at that. Thanks, Jamie, for having me on. Hey, man. Luke, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Rumors, Money, and Movies. I'm your host, James Best Stone. That was Luke Rowe. And we'll be on next with either an interview or a classic film. And then don't forget Jurassic World is coming up. Of this podcast, we got an interview. We have Bruce Nash coming back. Maybe we do Top Gun show. We'll figure it out, guys. But thanks everybody for the, all the support. And again, this was your podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All the best. <laughs>